Section 10 of Dallam's Travels with an Organ to the Grand Seigneur, 1599-1600, by Thomas Dallam. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Sue Anderson. The 23rd, the King of Fez, came to see my work, and he sat by me half a day. The 27th, our ship came nearer unto the Seralia. The same day the king of Fez came again to see our work. The 28th, the Hector, our ship, made her salutation to the Grand Turk, there called the Grand Seigneur, on the north side of the Seralia, the Grand Seigneur being in his kiosk upon the wall which is close to the sea. This salutation was very strange and wonderful in the sight of the great Turk and all the other Turks she was as i have said before new painted upon every top and ancient namely main top foretop mizzen top sprit sail top and at every yard arm a silk pennant all her bravery i cannot now relate her fights was out and in every top as many men with their muskets as could stand conveniently to discharge them anchor was weighed the day very calm and fair all things being ready our gunners gave fire and discharged eight score great shot and betwixt every great shot a volley of small shot it was done with very good decorum and true time and it might well deserve commendation but one thing i noted which persuaded my simple conceit that this great trumpet and charge was very evil bestowed being done unto an infidel there was one man sick in the ship who was the ship carpenter and with the report of the first great piece that was discharged he died likewise at the very end of this service another man who was one of the stoutest sailors in the ship and all this while had plied a great piece in the beak head of the ship as he was ramming in his cartridge of powder some fire being left in the breech of the piece the powder took fire and blew the man quite away in the smoke about three days after all his lower part from his waist downward was found two miles from that place and his head in another place when all was done the grand seigneur sent two men aboard our ship to see how many great pieces there was for he thought there had been fourscore and there was but twenty-seven the thirtieth day my work was finished and made perfect at the ambassador's house september the second day the grand seigneur desiring to take a better view of our ship he came in his golden caique upon the water and went round about the ship but he came so suddenly that his being there was not known till two or three hours after one hour after him came the sultana his mother in the like manner the third day our ambassador delivered a present to the vizier pasha at his house the fourth day the grand seigneur's secretary 
called the Kapajee, came to see our instrument. The seventh day, the Bostan Pasha, the chief of the gardens, came to see. Likewise, also the head patriarch was expected, but he came not, because some Turks dined with my lord that day. The eighth day, being Saturday, we began to take down our instrument, for that day the Grand Signor went from the Seralia, some six miles by water, to another Seralia, where the Sultana, his mother, doth live. For one month in the year it is tolerable for him to go to that place, either in August or in September. At any other time he may not go so far from his own Seralia, except he be guarded with a hundred thousand men. The eleventh day, being Tuesday, we carried our instrument over the water to the Grand Signor's court, called the Seralia, and there, in his most stateliest house, I began to set it up. This water which we crossed from Galeta to Seralia is a stream that cometh from the Black Sea, and is called Hellespont, which parteth Asia and Thracia, and it cometh down by Galeta, a creek of that river, the Golden Horn, goeth up into the country about six miles, which parteth the two cities of Constantinople and Galeta. They may go betwixt them by land, but it is twelve miles, and to cross the water it is but one mile. At every gate of the Seralia there always sitteth a stout Turk, about the calling or degree of a justice of the peace, who is called a Kia, notwithstanding the gates are fast shut, for there passeth none in or out at their own pleasures. Being entered within the first gate, there was placed right against the gate five great pieces of brass with Christian arms upon them. Then we passed through very delightful walks and gardens. The walks are, as it were, hedged in with stately cypress trees, planted with an equal distance one from the other, betwixt them and behind them, smaller trees that bear the excellent fruit. I think there is none wanting that is good. The gardens I will omit to write of at this time. The way from the first gate to the second wall is something rising up a hill, betwixt walls about a quarter of a mile and better. The gate of the second wall was also shut, but when we came to the gate, my interpreter called to those that kept it within. Though they had knowledge of our coming, yet would they not open the gates until we had called and told them our business. These gates are made all of massive iron. Two men, whom they do call Ajemaglans, did open them. Within the first walls are no houses but one, and that is the Bostan Pasha, his house, who is captain of a thousand Ajemaglans, who do nothing but keep the gardens in good order. And I am persuaded that there is none so well kept in the world. Within the second walls there is no gardens, but stately buildings. 
many courts paved with marble and such like stone every ode compartment or by corner hath some excellent fruit tree or trees growing in them also there is great abundance of sweet grapes and of diverse sorts there a man may gather grapes every day in the year in november as i sat at dinner i see them gather grapes upon the vines and they brought them to me to eat for the space of a month i dined every day in the seraglia and we had every day grapes after our meat but most certain it is that grapes do grow there continually coming into the house where i was appointed to set up the present or instrument it seemed to be rather a church than a dwelling-house to say the truth it was no dwelling-house but a house of pleasure and likewise a house of slaughter for in that house was built one little house very curious both within and without for carving gilding good colours and varnish i have not seen the like in this little house that emperor that reigned when i was there had nineteen brothers put to death in it and it was built for no other use but for the strangling of every emperor's brethren this great house itself hath in it two ranks of marble pillars the pedestals of them are made of brass and double gilt the walls on three sides of the house are walled but halfway to the eaves the other half is open but if any storm or great wind should happen they can suddenly let fall such hangings made of cotton wool for that purpose as will keep out all kinds of weather and suddenly they can open them again the fourth side of the house which is close and joineth unto another house the wall is made of porphyry or such kind of stone as when a man walketh by it he may see himself therein upon the ground not only in this house but all other that i see in the seraglia we tread upon rich silk carpets one of them as much as four or six men can carry there were in this house neither stools tables or forms only one couch of estate there is one side of it a fish pond that is full of fish that be of diverse colors the same day our ambassador sent mr paul pinder who was then his secretary with a present to the sultana she being at her garden the present was a coach of six hundred pounds value at that time the sultana did take great liking to mr pinder and afterwards she sent for him to have his private company but their meeting was crossed the fifteenth i finished my work in the seraglia and i went once every day to see it and dined there almost every day for the space of a month which no christian ever did in their memory that went away a christian the eighteenth day staying something long before i went the kapaji who is the grand signor's secretary 
sent for me that one of his friends might hear the instrument before i went away two ajemaglans who is keepers of that house took me in their arms and kissed me and used many persuasions to have me stay with the grand seigneur and serve him the twenty-first at night it was a wonder to see what abundance of lamps there was burning round about all the towers of the churches both in constantinople and galetta when we demanded the cause they told us that as that night mohammed their messiah was born the feast of Bairam. the twenty-fourth at night our ambassador called me into his chamber and gave me a great charge to go the next morning betimes to the seraglia and make the instrument as perfect as possibly i could for that day before noon the grand seigneur would see it and he was to deliver his embassage to the grand seigneur after he had given me that charge he told me that he had but done his duty in telling me of my duty and quoth he because you shall not take this unkindly i will tell you all and what you shall trust unto the ambassador's speech unto me in love after he had given me my charge you are come hither with a present from our gracious queen not to an ordinary prince or king but to a mighty monarch of the world but better had it been for you if it had been sent to any christian prince for then you should have been sure to have received for your pains a great reward but you must consider what he is unto whom you have brought this rich present a monarch but an infidel and the grand enemy to all christians what we or any other christians can bring unto him he doth think that we do it in duty or in fear of him or in hope of some great favor we expect at his hands it was never known that upon receiving of any present he gave any reward unto any christian and therefore you must look for nothing at his hands you would think that for your long and wearisome voyage with danger of life that you were worthy to have a little sight of him but that you must not look for neither for you see what great preparing we made and have been about ever since your coming for the credit of our country and for delivering of this present and my embassage the which by god's help to-morrow must be performed we call it kissing the grand seigneur's hand but when i come to his gates i shall be taken off my horse and searched and led betwixt two men holding my hands down close to my sides and so led into the presence of the grand seigneur and i must kiss his knee or his hanging sleeve having delivered my letters to the kapaji i shall be presently led away 
going backwards as long as I can see him, and in pain of my head I must not turn my back upon him, and therefore you must not look to have a sight of him. I thought good to tell you this, because you shall not hereafter blame me, or say that I might have told you so much. Let not your work be anything the more carelessly looked unto, and at your coming home our merchant shall give you thanks, if it give the Grand Signor content this one day. I care not if it be none after the next. If it do not please him at first sight, and perform not those things which it is told him that it can do, he will cause it to be pulled down, that he may trample it under his feet. And then shall we have no suit granted, but all our charge will be lost. After I had given my lord thanks for this friendly speech, though small comfort in it, I told him that this much I understood by our merchants before my coming out of London, and that he needed not to doubt that there should be any fault, either in me or my work, for he had seen the trial of my care and skill in making that perfect and good, which was thought to be uncurable, and in some things better than it was when Her Majesty saw it in the banqueting house at Whitehall. End of section 10